you have your Bibles, will you go ahead and turn with us to uh, Romans chapter number 4. Romans chapter number 4 will, uh, I really don't think it will take incredibly long to get through the fourth chapter. Uh, We do have conference tonight, so, but we'll read, uh, we'll read the fourth chapter and then we'll start back at the beginning and work our way through. It says, what shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for for righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? When he was in uh, circumcision or in uncircumcision, not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. He that receiveth the sign uh, of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith, which he hath yet been uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them. Unto them also, excuse me. And the father of circumcision to, uh, to them who are not of the, uh, the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps, that, uh, the steps of the faith of our father Abraham, which he had been yet uncircumcised. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of none effect. Because the law worketh wrath, for where, there, uh, for where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be of grace to the end. Uh, the promise might be made might be uh, sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which which be not as though they were, who against hope believeth in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to the uh, to that which was spoken, shall, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses, was raised again for our justification. And that's correctly reading 25 verses of the fourth chapter of the book of Romans. And we'll uh, start back over here. And we concluded last week, uh, and we we tied the knot in the third chapter, uh, specifically speaking in the 24th verse of the third chapter of when Christ uh, deems that are all are justified freely through His grace that is the redemption in Christ Jesus. And he goes and he walks through um, what the process of redemption is, how that we are justified, and that it was a free justification through the propitiation. And so, uh, and like I said, preceding that, and what we spent the last several weeks talking about is the condemnation of man and how we are under sin and how we cannot remove ourselves from that burden of sin uh, only through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we get on back over here to verse number or chapter number four, and we start to identify 
some things. And, and this right here, we do want to take uh, just a little bit of time in essentially the first eight verses right here, uh, the scripture. And Paul deals with something that a lot of people, uh, they have trouble grasping or getting a hold of. And that's Old Testament salvation. How were the saints in the Old Testament saved? Well, they were saved just like we are by faith through grace looking to the cross. Uh, just like we look back to the cross, they look to the cross. Uh, but salvation, the plan of salvation, uh, and we have talked about this, we've preached about it uh, several times over the last few weeks. In Isaiah 53, we see the past tense verbiage when he's talking about uh, the sacrifice of Christ. That's how that they were able to be saved looking to the cross uh, because in all actuality, logically speaking, uh, the cross had already, listen, the cross of Calvary was a fact. It was something that was going to come to pass. Christ just had to come to manifest himself in the flesh. Uh, and when he manifested himself in the flesh, he had the ability to go uh, complete God's plan of salvation. But God's plan of salvation was final. It was complete before the world ever was. But Christ had to come and fulfill those things. And we see, uh, and uh, maybe as God gives us time, we'll be able to go through uh, and see how God orchestrated and worked those things in you. Uh, it's really beyond our comprehension as we begin to think about all the free choices that every single person had to make. Uh, when you see uh, uh, just those who crucified Christ, you see Pilate, you see Herod, you see uh, the, the coming together of the Sanhedrin. Uh, you, you see how they acted. You see their choices, their decisions. Well, that propagates back to their mothers and their fathers and their decisions that they made and their mothers and their fathers to bring us to that one place, that one point and one time where everything in the boiling pot of God came to a head uh, because Christ must die and Christ must die so you and I can have salvation. Uh, so God brought all these things to pass. And what a beautiful and what a wonderful picture it is. And we, uh, a lot of times we stumble on the fact and we say, how is it possible uh, for God to do those things? And listen, we don't know. Amen. And it's okay to say that we don't know, but we know that God does know. And we know that God did accomplish what he said he was going to do. So, we don't have to understand everything in its entirety. So don't get tripped up on the things that you don't understand fully because a lot of people, they throw the baby out with the bathwater when they get tripped up on something, but don't throw it all away just because you don't understand it. Persevere, pray, seek, study. Listen, ask the Holy Spirit to revelate your mind. Crawl into the Word of God. See if you can figure out what the Word of God tells us because it gives us answers to all things even though we may not understand it. Uh, listen, we know this. Uh, I know that God created everything out of nothing. I don't understand that, but I still believe it. Amen? Uh, listen, just because I can't explain it, because I don't understand it, does not mean that it... Listen, it, 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 that has no contingency on whether or not I believe it. I believe it by faith. I know enough about the Word of God is absolutely true that I don't have to understand the hidden mysteries of God. We'll find them out when we get to heaven. Amen? But listen, we get into this right here. And Paul, he's addressing the Jews here once again, primarily. Uh, because he, uh, and we'll probably jump back in uh, just briefly in the latter part of chapter number 2 because he reiterates it again right here. But he said, what shall we say then uh, that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found? He said, for if Abraham were justified by works, he have whereof to glory, but not before God. So he's telling them right here, he's drawing this contrast, he's drawing and he's painting the conclusion again. It does not matter. What you, what you are naturally descended from. It does not matter that you are a natural born Jew. It does not matter that where your descendants, what your heritage is. And that propagates to us. He gets us here in just a few minutes. But so many people today, they get tripped up in who they are. Or listen, or, or let's rephrase that. They get tripped up in who they think they are. Uh, there, there, there's so many times 
uh, that we get tripped up in the fact that we think that we are something better or something far superior than we really are. But listen, we, uh, and we come to this conclusion, we're probably going to say this every week as we walk through the book of Romans because this is the resounding trumpet uh, that, is, that is touted in every verse is that, that God is the one who accomplishes all things and God is the one who receives all glory. Amen. Listen, somewhere down uh, through the church and uh, listen, through the process of time, we have come to this conclusion that we deserve glory, that we uh, deserve honor, and that we deserve credit for all. Look, we say, look at all the things that we're doing, and we deserve this credit. We deserve the accolades. But friends, it's not about us, it's about Him. He said, do these things. He said, let your works glorify the Father which is in heaven. And listen, the Bible tells us explicitly in the chapter of the book of Romans that we should seek Him by faith and we should seek Him diligently by faith because He is a rewarder of them that seek Him in that fashion. So listen, we understand, we get to this conclusion that we cannot seek God any other way uh, other than the way of faith. And this is what uh, Paul is drawing to a conclusion. He said, for what saith the Scripture? And I want to stop right there and say this. Amen. Listen, I said this was going to be short, but I know how I am. It may take an hour yet. But listen. We need to understand something, friends, today. Every truth is in the Word of God. When Jesus was tempted in Matthew chapter number 4, when He was carried away into the wilderness and He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, the Bible says that Satan carried Him up into a high mountain and He began to tempt Him. With every temptation, Christ answered that temptation with the Word of God. Friends, listen, we should, uh, so, so often today, and I want to be an encourager of you to this, so often Often today, people, uh, they engage in emotional arguments. Amen? Uh, listen, uh, they, they want to engage their emotions. And, and, and a lot of times when people engage in an emotional argument, it's easy to respond emotionally. But listen, Christ didn't, he didn't respond emotionally. He didn't say, don't you know who I am? No, he responded with the word of God. And that is, that is the principle of charity. When we respond in love and we respond with the word of God, when we respond with scripture, we'll never go wrong. We'll never have to refute a thing in the world that we say if we just respond with the word of God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God. Uh, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. We talked about last week in the third chapter. The Greek word for righteousness and justification is synonymous. It's the same word. So friends, listen, the Bible tells us that Abraham, what did he do? He believed God. And when he believed God, that listen, believing is the action of faith. So when we say that we have faith and we put our faith into action, it becomes belief. And the Bible tells us that when Abraham believed God, when he enacted on his faith and he believed God, it was counted unto him for righteousness. He was therefore justified. As we talked about in the third chapter, as we discussed last week, listen, and we read this when we just started here tonight. It said that we are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And now he's talking about those post-resurrection. He's talking to the church. But listen, now he's addressing Abraham. He said Abraham was saved. He was justified freely through the same grace through the future coming redemption that Christ would fulfill. Listen. Uh, and and we, need to, uh, we need to understand this. They're not saved any different than we are saved. Salvation never changes. It never changes. He said, I am the Lord thy God and changeth not. And he meant what he said. Now listen, the Bible says, uh, now uh, he, he starts to give us an analogy in verse number 4 and 5. And he gives a, a, an analogy of work or a labor analogy. And he says, now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. So what he's saying is, when you go out and you work and you do a job, Listen, you get paid for the job that you do and therefore you can boast and you can glory in those things. If you would, just turn with us. It's quoted often in Ephesians chapter number 2. Listen, 
This is uh, the context that we need to understand and we always need to hold uh, uh, Paul's words when he's talking about grace. In Ephesians chapter 2, I'm just going to read through this quickly. In verse number 7, the Bible says, Ephesians 2, chapter number, uh, in Ephesians chapter number 2, verse number 7, it says, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Amen. So there is a demonstration of the kindness, the holiness, the mercy, and the grace of God which he's going to extend to us. And when he's talking about us, he's talking about not only the church that is in Ephesus. He's incorporating into that the Gentiles, the Jews. He's talking about holistically us as a people, as humanity. He said God is going to extend his kindness toward us through his son, the second person of the Trinity, Christ Jesus. He said, For by grace are you saved. Amen. For by grace, the unmerited favor of God. Listen, that is something that we do not deserve. We need to understand God extends His grace toward us because He loved us. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter number 4 not that we love God, but that He first loved us and gave His Son to be the, the, a, a propitiation. For our sins. Now listen, let's pay attention to this. For by grace are you saved. Amen. So we get something that we did not deserve. The unmerited favor of God. Are you saved? Or are, uh, in, in other words and in context, the word saved is a Greek word sozo, which means to be kept in a perfect or unaltered condition. Uh, it's a place. It's a state. It's a newness as we talk about in, in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, old things are passed away and behold, all things have become new. In 1 John, the Bible tells us that he puts a seed in us that cannot sin. That's the germination of the new man that takes place that is sealed with the Holy Spirit of God as you read over here uh, in the 13th verse of the first chapter. He said, in whom, I, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth. And I want to stop right there and say this. I'm running rabbits tonight. Uh, listen, after ye heard the word of truth, what is the word of truth? Well, if you go back over to Romans chapter 1 verse number 16, the Bible tells us this, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is the Word. Now listen, in St. John chapter 1, the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. Verse number 14, the Bible said, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen? Right, so listen, the gospel of Christ is the power of God, and we see it demonstrated over here in verse number 13. It says, in whom also after you trusted, as you heard... What did we hear? We heard the gospel of the word. What is? We heard the gospel of Christ. So after we heard the gospel of Christ, of truth, the gospel of your salvation, amen, it says in whom also after that ye believe. So what did we do after we heard the gospel? Amen. Uh, listen, we, uh, listen we, we, we so often try and add so much complexity to salvation. But the Bible is very, very clear. Amen. And listen, hey, the Bible tells us that we cannot go. Uh, the, the scripture says this in Acts number 4, verse number 12. He said, there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Amen. So friends, listen, there reaches a place and point time when the gospel is presented to us through the function of the Holy Spirit when he begins to draw and move and convict. And I say begin, but we need to understand, and you've heard me say this, and I hope that you're listening. Amen. That persistent drawing has always been here. Sometimes we, listen, I believe that people, they stay locked up in a state of doubt and confusion. They have no assurance because they're looking for something that simply is not there. Amen? I pray they so often they're searching so diligently for something. They're looking for the signs and the stars. They're looking for something specific to transpire and take place. Jesus told us, he said, there shall be no sign given thee but the sign of the prophet Jonas. As he was three days in the belly of the whale, so also must the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. 
And he's speaking about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He said, when you hear these things, listen, when the Father teaches you these things, he's talking about our Heavenly Father. When the Heavenly Father teaches you things and you hear these things, it said that we need to act in faith and respond. So when we act in faith and respond, the Bible says, uh, listen, all, the gospel of your salvation in whom also after you believed... So after we have believed, after we've acted in faith, so we put our faith to action, we believe. What do we believe upon? We believed upon the gospel of our, uh, of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it says, after we believe upon those things, this is the wonderful part, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest. I love this. Amen. What is the earnest? It is the best thing that we have, this side of glory. He said, which is the earnest of our inheritance. It's an earnest payment. Amen. It is a down payment on what will be. So it keeps us from justification. Listen, from justification, we uh, before we go into glorification, there's a process of sanctification. And in that process of sanctification, uh, listen, we have a, a sealing of the Holy Spirit which keeps us and lives within us. It guides us in all truth and ways of righteousness for His name's sake. And listen, it protects the seed. It says you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest, the down payment. As we see in the 8th chapter of the book of Romans, it is the spirit of our adoption. The earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. So He keeps us. He keeps us. By faith. The Bible tells us. I believe we quoted this last week. And I don't mean to keep repeating myself. Uh, but the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter number 1. Verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance incorruptible undefiled. And that fadeth not away. Reserved in heaven for you who are kept, who are kept by the power of God. What is the power of God? The power of God is the gospel. The gospel is what? The gospel is the word. What is the word? The word is Christ. Who are kept by the power of God through faith, through faith unto salvation. Amen. The Bible is clear and it gives us clear direction and clear understanding and we can have blessed, full, whole assurance. And that's what we need in the church house today. We need a body of believers that has assurance, that has victory, and that has joy in what Christ has done for them. Because until we get to that place, we, uh, listen, we're awful timid and we're awful Adam, uh, listen, we're awful apprehensive to go out and Share the good news of Jesus. But now, listen, let's get back to this because I need to drive to a point right here. It took entirely too much time. For uh, by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Verse 9 is very important. He said, not of works, lest any man should boast. So listen, there's a lot of people out there today, they'll say that faith is a work. And therefore, because faith is a work, it is meritorious. And therefore, we in ourselves cannot cultivate faith. But friends, listen, this is the contrast that Paul tries to bring us to. He said, for by grace are you saved through faith. Amen. That is one sentence. Uh, listen, how are we saved? We're saved by grace through faith. Amen. It is one thought. It's not broken into bits and pieces. It says we're saved by grace through faith. And that not of ourselves. That's an important part. Amen. Listen, we're saved because God gives us something that we do not deserve. He keeps us in something that we did not deserve. And listen, listen, he, listen he also provides the faith to us that we, when we have and possess that faith, we can act on that faith and believe. So he said, it's, it's not anything that you have done. It's the gift of God. Now listen. Not of works, lest any man should boast. You see the contrast that he's drawing out here? He's telling us that grace, salvation, and faith is not work. That is the contrast that he is drawing right here. He's telling us it's not a work. It is something that we do. 
Amen. Uh, listen, if we owe a debt that we cannot pay, if it supersedes our comprehension, if it outweighs the national debt, there's nobody, nowhere, no how. Uh, listen, if we roll all the debt, uh, listen, and of the entire commerce of the world and we laid it at my feet, there is absolutely no possible way that I can repay that debt. That is how humanity is. There is a debt because of the law that is laid at your feet that you absolutely cannot pay. But thank God that we have a Savior, the incarnate of Christ, who came and paid the debt for us. And He said, listen, if you believe in what I've done, He said, I will pay your way if you believe. Friends, listen, we try and make salvation all so hard. We, we talk about Calvary sometimes. Listen, I, I'll put it in terms where we can all understand this. I, I believe most of us are, are rather familiar uh, with fishing. Listen, uh, listen. You, you throw a jig head out into a brush pile, I, I, and, and you do it for a reason. You drag it through there uh, because there's fish hiding in there in hopes that you'll have one bite. But listen, that's not how we preach Calvary. Calvary is not a worm on a hook. And we're not dragging it through one place today and dragging it through another place tomorrow. Calvary is not mobile. It does not move. It does not go away. It does not hide itself. Uh, friends, listen. Calvary is the beaming light that shines from Calvary's hill and it declares unto a lost and dying world, Come, come, come and be saved does not move. It's not a moving target that we cannot find. Calvary is where we left it. And he said, go, run to Calvary. Friends, listen, i tell you something today. We need, we need to, co to communicate uh, to the congregation and to the world uh, that it's something that they have access to. Amen. Why do they have access to it? Because Christ died for every single one of them. Listen, <laughs> now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. So there he draws a contrast in verse number five. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So this is the, the labor analogy that he's drawing. He said, if you work for something, then you get paid for something. And if you get paid for something that you did, you can take glory in those things. But then in verse 5 he says, but to him that worketh not. So listen, if we didn't do anything, but the only thing we did was believe, amen, which the Bible clearly tells us right here, that believing by, listen, acting upon our faith and believing is not working. It's merely believing and receiving what has already been done for us. He said, but if we, uh, but to him that worketh not, but, uh, but only believe on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. And righteousness is synonymous with justification, which is the judicial pronouncement that God makes upon them that believe upon his son. Free, free, free. What a wonderful declaration. Verse 6, Even as David also describeth the blessedness of man, unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Why can we not be imputed with sin? Because we have been imputed with the righteousness of Christ. And when we are imputed with the righteousness of Christ, we are therefore declared justified. Amen. In being justified, we are also righteous. Amen. Listen, this is nothing that we have have done. This is nothing that we have procured or cultivated. This is something that holy He has done. He has provided. And thank God that He made a way for me. Thankful that Calvary is good enough for me. And listen, I want to say this tonight. I'm thankful that Calvary is good enough for each and every one of you. There is none too wretched, none too wicked, none too sinful. I'm glad that there is room for you. Now listen, the Bible says in verse number 8, Blessed is the man who cometh. Uh, uh, blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. 
cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only. So then Paul jumps back into verse 9 and when he uh, uses the terminology circumcision, he's talking specifically because this was the seal of righteousness that was given to Abraham which was uh, also propagated into the nation of Israel. This was a mark and a seal and a sign of faith. This is something that, that God established with the elect lady Israel. Uh, listen, as she progressed down through time, he gave them the sign and the seal of circumcision. It was a seal of their faith. He said, cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only. He said, so uh, is this blessedness, is this ability to believe by faith, is this ability only for the Jew? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for his righteousness. He said, how was it then reckoned when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? So he's asking the question, how did Abraham receive his faith? How, how did he, how did he uh, receive the imputation of righteousness? Was it after he was circumcised or before he was circumcised? He said it was before let me tell you something, friends. All the ordinances and all the things that we put so much validity in that we hang our hats on and we say that they're essentials and we have to have them. Christ said the paramount understanding of the gospel is that you must believe. It doesn't matter if you've been baptized. It doesn't matter if you've taken communion. It doesn't matter if you're a member from every church from here to coming. Membership means nothing. Communion is a beautiful ordinance of the church. And after we are saved, we should uh, examine ourselves. We, could we should present ourselves worthy. And we should honor the sacraments of our Savior uh, in taking the likeness of his, uh, of his broken body and His spilt blood as we show representation. He said, do these things, uh, listen, until, you, until I come. Friends, listen, it's to show that we have a faith and we believe upon what he did for us on Calvary. It's good to follow in the act of baptism that's a public profession to an entire world that tells the entire world hey, listen, baptism doesn't carry the same weight for us in, in, in Western theology as it did to the Jews and it sure doesn't care, even in today's time. Uh, listen, if a Muslim were, uh, listen, to uh, be converted and saved and washed in the blood of Jesus and in their homeland, if they were go uh, through the public act of baptism, that is a public testimony. You know what it would require them? It would be death sentence. We do it because we feel like it or we don't feel like it. They do it as a testimony to, and that was the institution of it was to be a testimony to the world that I am professing my allegiance to the Savior. That's what that signifies. That's what that's a sign and the seal of. It's, it's, it's holy, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, but it can't save you. You can't have faith in baptism. You can't have faith in communion. You can't have faith in foot washing. You can't have faith in ordinations. You can't have faith in all this stuff that we've erected around us and we treat it as gospel. We treat it as holy. A lot of the ordinances of the churches, they are beautiful. They are wonderful. They are holy. They should be observed. But friends, none of them take precedence over our Savior Jesus. Cometh then this blessing then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also. For if we, for we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for his righteousness, how was it reckoned when he was in circumcision or uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. So he drives home the point here. Listen, Abraham was saved by faith through grace and imputed into him the righteousness of God before he was ever made a Jew, before circumcision or the seal of his righteousness was ever put upon him. God performed an act and a work inside of him by Abraham's faith. And listen, verse 11, the Bible says, and he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had yet been uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also, Abraham got saved. 
God called him out of his, uh, of his own country. Uh, listen, and from that, God established an entire nation. And today, we would say that that nation has been expanded into the church. Listen, we are not separate. We are not different. It is not a segregation. It is an expansion. That's what, Christ, that's what the cross of Calvary had to do. I said this a few weeks ago. I want to say it again here tonight. Listen, God selected and elected a, 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 a specific people. And her name was Israel. She was the elect lady. God preserved her all the way to the cross. God didn't choose and pick her at the exclusion of all the other people. Amen. God chose and picked her because He loved all the other people. And that was the means by which He would save them. So God carried this lady to Calvary through which the descendant we have, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he went to the cross of Calvary. He tore down the middle wall of partition. The veil was rent in twain from top to bottom, whereby giving access to all to the throne. And the father of circumcision, in verse number 12, it says, uh, and the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps uh, uh, of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had been yet uncircumcised. This entire chapter is discussing one thing. It's discussing the faith of Abraham. And the reason that he's discussing the faith of Abraham is he's trying to translate a message to the Jewish people that he is writing to and that are listening. It is not who you are. It is not who you think you are. It is about faith in Christ. This gospel message that people are dying for, that I soon will die for. Uh, listen, uh, this gospel message is what brings us fullness and joy and grace. This is the salvation that was prophesied about all throughout the Old Testament. Uh, listen, and we read in, in, uh, the entire canon uh, of the book of Isaiah and we see the beautiful picture of Christ. Christ, uh, listen, God scattered all these prophetic events of the, of the cross of Calvary. They're all scattered throughout the Old Testament to bring them to a consummation on Calvary. For the promise, verse 13, for the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law but through the righteousness of faith. This goes back over to the third chapter we talked about last week. Uh, when the Bible tells us uh, in verse number 20, Therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified uh, in his sight, for, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. We're not justified in the merits of the law. We're not justified in these ordinances. We are justified in our faith in Jesus Christ. Because he is the only one that, that adequately, adequately fulfilled the merits of God's law. And we talked about this when we first started. God's law is his righteousness. And Christ fulfilled God's righteousness thereby in giving him the power to impute righteousness to those that believe by faith in his saving, redeeming work that was shed for us on Calvary. For if we which are uh, of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. He's telling him, listen, you're not brought into the fold because you are a national Israelite or you are a natural born Jew or because you are an adherer through circumcision to the law. That's not what this is about. This is not how you're going to be saved. He said, therefore, it is of faith. That it, may, uh, that it might be by grace. Okay, now let's take the very first portion of verse number 16 and apply it back to verse number 5. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. He reiterates again in verse 16, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. You see, faith is non-meritorious. Faith is not a work. Faith is merely an, uh, listen, uh, belief is an action of, of that faith and it's not something that we do. That's why he tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, it's not by works. It's not by works. 
It's solely and wholly because we believe and grasp upon our Savior. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Amen. So listen, he makes a trans. Uh, a, 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 uh, he makes a transition in speech right here. And he says, therefore, it is of faith that it might be of grace to the end. The promise might be uh, sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law. So now he's talking about specifically the Jew. He said, not to that only which is of the Jew or of the law, but to that also which is of faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Amen. Uh, listen, father of us all who believe upon Jesus Christ. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed. Even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Who against hope believed in hope. Who against hope believed in hope. That he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken so shall thy seed be. Now listen, let me say this. Uh, in verse number 18 right here, uh, just to break away and tie this knot right here, who against hope believed in hope. He had two sons, Isaac and Ishmael. One was born of the promise and one was conceived in the flesh because he did not believe God. But listen, friends, listen. We need to understand that God blessed that nation as well. But there was a promised seed that would come of him. And there was a promised seed that would come uh, even in Abraham's old age and even in Sarah's dead womb. God was going to perform a miracle in which the seed of this, uh, uh, the seed of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, a nation would be born. It said, who against, uh, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Friends, listen. He stumbled and fell, but then he latched on to faith in which he was imputed righteousness. And the Bible tells us what a beautiful verse in number 20. He said, then when he, when he latched hold of God's righteousness, he said he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. So often today, friends, listen, we stumble and we fall because we don't believe. And we don't believe because so often today people have told us, uh, listen, that we have to have proof and uh, we have to have material and, and physical things that we can taste, uh, touch and taste and see and feel. Uh, friends, listen to me today. But as we've described many times, an active faith Friends, listen, that is not a blind faith. An active faith is having confidence in the righteousness whereby you have been justified. I've compared it many times. Uh, listen, uh, to these church pews, we come in every Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesday night. Uh, listen, we don't check the bench for screws. We don't make sure, uh, we don't pull back the padding and make sure that the bench is cracked. We don't get down underneath the bottom side of it and examine it and tear it apart. You know what we do? We walk simply through the door. We come in and we sit down because we have faith that it will hold us. Friends, listen today. If we would show that kind of faith toward our Savior, that we have confidence in what He has promised, He is also able to perform. Amen? That is the kind of faith whereby we yield fruit in, in righteousness. It says, and being fully persuaded that what He had promised, He was also able to perform. Like we just said, if we have that active faith, and yes, I know that, uh, listen, that we doubt, that we stumble, that we fall, friends. Listen, I understand this is part of Christian living. This is part of our Christian walk. Paul even tells us, he said, the things I want to do are the things that I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do are the things that I do do. See, friends, listen, we have this constant struggle and battle. Even though that we are born again, that we are saved by faith through grace. Listen, the Bible even tells us, Paul writes to us in the sixth chapter of Romans, he says that we're dead to sin. Even though we're dead to sin, we still continue to sin because we're captive in this flesh. But there's coming a day where we're going to disrobe this flesh and the seed that is within 
is going home to that perfect land where no sin, uh, uh, listen, has ever been known. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was also able to perform. Those two verses right there bring to conclusion verse 22, and therefore this is the completion of the argument that he is making to the Jewish nation right here. He said, and therefore, this concludes the matter. It was, uh, listen, uh, he's talking, he said, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. And what he's talking about right there is it was, was the faith of Abraham. He said, therefore, the faith of Abraham was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it is not written for his sake alone that it, uh, that it was imputed to him. And so he's saying, it's not, this is just not written for Abraham. This wasn't just a, spe a, a specific singular event that doesn't apply anywhere else. He says uh, uh, in verse number 24, but for us also, amen, but for us also. Thank God. I, listen, we say, well, I preach you, you got to read this in context. Yes, he was talking to the Jews. Yes, he was talking to the Gentiles. But I'm telling you, he's talking to every single person sitting on every single pew in Timberidge Baptist Church tonight. And those that are gathered all around this land and country that are worshiping and serving him tonight, I, it's good enough for them. Those that are not in the church, it's good enough for them. Those that are in the prisons, the idolaters, the murderers, the molesters, the scum, I, listen, of all atrocious sins that we can conceive in our minds. I'm glad tonight that they can be saved by faith through grace into, and be imputed with His righteousness. It is sufficient. It is sufficient. But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on Him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. So He brings it to a head right here. Right? He said, so all this that I've written to you in the last 23 verses, He said, all that I've written to you that you, can buy, that, you, that you can be saved. Uh, listen, when we put our faith to action and believe, we can be imputed with righteousness. It's for every single one of us. And all we have to do is believe on Him that raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Amen. Who was delivered... For our offenses. We need to talk about this just briefly and I'll be done. Go and finish early. Who was delivered for our offenses. Friends, listen to me. We needed something more than a representative at Calvary. You understand what I'm telling you? We needed, uh, listen, uh, uh, I didn't need somebody that I elected and put into office to stand for me in my sin. I didn't need just a representative. I needed a substitute. I had to have somebody that was willing to take my place. You see, He, he, he redeemed us not just by being our representative. of He wasn't just the representative federal head of the church. He was the substitution of the sinner. And he stood as the representative of that federal head because he was the substitute. Friends, he was delivered for our offenses. Friend, my sin was upon him. A lot of times I want to say this right here. I may not finish earth. The Bible teaches us and tells us this, and we'll get into this in the 8th chapter, but I feel it necessary to say this right now. We get into the 8th chapter, there, there, there's, uh, there really is a big, a big misconception. They'll, people will say uh, that Jesus uh, did not have a sin nature. I beg to differ. He was human, just like me and you. But you see, friends, what made Christ special was that He was born from above, not from below. And because the seed was born from above and it was, uh, and it was implanted into the, enrobed in this flesh. What is this flesh? We, we'll talk about this next week in Romans chapter number 5 when we talk about original sin. We talk about, uh, listen, we talk about inherited sin. It's not inherited guilt. 
Amen. Listen, and I believe this puts it to bed. Amen. Uh, Because Christ came in the flesh. If we had inherited guilt, then Christ would have condemned himself at the virgin conception. So listen, it's not inherited guilt. It is inherited sin. But thank God that we had the sinless seed that was born from above and robed himself and harnessed himself in flesh. And he overcame this flesh. And he kept the righteousness of the law. He kept those things. So the Bible tells us, uh, listen, read with us now in in the 8th chapter of the book of Romans. Uh, in verse number 3, the Bible says this, For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness. Amen. I'm not a heretic. This is what the Bible said. He came in the same flesh we have. He came in our likeness because, why did He come in our likeness? Because He had to be delivered for our offenses. See, He was more than a representative. He was my substitute. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. That's what it said. God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. A lot of people, they, they, they want to jump through grammatical gymnastics to get out of this. But I can take you back to where the Bible said that God, how did God make us? In His likeness and in His image. Right? And we fell in the garden. When we fell in the garden, He had to come in our likeness. How how is our likeness different from His likeness? Because He created us in His likeness. Our likeness is different because of the fall. And because of the fall, there's an inherited sin that resides within this line of Adam. Therefore, the Bible said He couldn't come in His likeness. He had to come in my likeness. And when He came in my likeness, and He came in my sin, He condemned my sin in His body. Listen, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So He was who was delivered for our offenses. He was our substitute. And then he was raised again for our justification. Free, free, free. Thank God. Went to Oak Grove. They started revival Sunday night. Carter Lee's running revival. And his future in-laws sang the song, Thank God I'm free. Amen. Free, free, free. They sung it just the right time too. Been thinking about it for two weeks. But thank God I'm free. Why am I free? Because he was delivered from my offenses. And after he was delivered from my offenses, he was raised for my justification. Thank God we're free. As we stand to our feet tonight, as they come to the piano with a song.